0: All right, good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick. Today's conversation is just the kind of conversation I like on Intrepid Radio. It's all about being intrepid and doing some bold, audacious things. And and I think that's where a lot of us are lacking in our lives, is that we're not shaking things up. And and frankly, that's the theme of today's conversation. Joined today by Daniel Manginelli. He's the author of a new book called Shake It Up big dreams and bold choices on the road to success. He's also the executive vice president of a company called South Pacific Financial. Dan, welcome to the show. Well, glad to be here, Todd. Thanks for having me. Well, the pleasure is mine, Dan. I appreciate you making time to join me. I know you're awfully busy, so appreciate you stopping by. So, before we get into a conversation around Shake It Up, take a few quick seconds. Tell us a bit about you, your background, and then do a quick overview of South Pacific Financial, what you guys are doing to serve the market. Sure, not a problem at all. 30 years been in the
1: industry. The- the industry that I'm in is obviously mortgages, which is real estate finance. Background for me, I've been doing it for, as I said, 30 years. Started out as an originator of, of mortgage loans. In probably 2004, I got into coaching and mentoring a lot of salespeople. And it kind of morphed into the first book I wrote, which was Wake, it U- uh, Wake Up, Jumpstart the Life You Always Had in Mind. And the book was written then as a, as a floor plan or as accountability to help salespeople stay on track to what they were. It was more of a workbook. It, It was a book. It did very well, but it was a workbook based off of how to keep yourself accountable. And I'm a big believer in if you could keep yourself accountable, you'd already be doing it. So, as I run my company the same way, helping people stay accountable, it's morphed into a lot of speaking across the country and a lot of other things, and I wrote my second book. When writing the second book, I wrote a book based off of people that don't like to read. I know that sounds absolutely crazy, but it's short ch- chapters with relatable stories. And when you make the chapter short with relatable stories, but it's an action plan with it, because the action where it comes from. And again, as I said, I believe that the action is where it takes place. But there has to be something fun about it when you're reading it. So that's based off the book. Myself, kind of in the industry, what I serve is we serve kind of residential home loans is really what we've done and for 30 years been doing it. It's been fun. It's been a heck of a cycle, that's for sure. You know, we I was a... An EVP of a big company that was the ninth largest lender in the United States before Control Alt Elite hit in two thousand seven and we right, kind of wiped right. out the market, which was which was difficult. And I had a you know a lot of employees follow me to another another bank because I figured at that time being market funded wasn't a great place for a lot of employees to be. And that got taken over by the FDIC in uh, two thousand eight. So talk about overcoming adversity when everybody's looking at you saying, you know, now what? What what are we doing? And we followed you for, you know, 14, 15, 20 years. And w- what is our next step? So, you know, you learn a lot. And the true character of a person is built through the adversity. And you find out the people that, you know, want to be with you, that can be with you and that, to make things great. And it's all based off of, you know, people. I think that anything that you're building, any kind of company or friendships or anything is based off the quality of the people that you surround yourself with. And I'm big on quality, you know, is is positions you can fill, but you can't fill the quality. So when you have quality people with the right attitudes and you're able to instill that through the years, you get great outcomes.
0: Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Lots to talk about here. So Dan, uh, let me lead off with this. So again, the new book's called Shake It Up, Big Dreams and Uh Bold Choices on the Road to Success. So if you were to go to Amazon and say, look, I'm unsatisfied, I want to shake things up in my life, and... There would be an awful lot of titles there and and, and a lot of different messages, a lot of different methodologies and a lot of different models, all that crap. Why did the world need Dan's take on this idea of of changing your life? I mean, what, 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 what makes your book a little bit different? I think my book's
1: a little bit different because it's not—it's not your how-to. This is what you need to do. This is how you get it done. My book's based off of straight, relatable stories. The first chapter of the book starts out with the relatable story of me running on a treadmill, thinking about you know listening to songs and putting shuffle, and that's exactly what happened. And a song—you know—a song came on that marked something of how I was thinking about things. And if you know as I know, once you hear a song and you start going this deep thought it's a relatable story that happens to everybody. They're driving down the road or listening to stuff on their headphones, or just even a song from 15 years ago that brings you back to a memory of a first kiss, right? So it's a relatable story. Why my take that you need this is because when you relate to things and you're just not the only person, and when you're vulnerable, like I am and how I write with vulnerability, because I don't like to hide things. And I know that people feel exactly the way I do on, you know, if it's, if it's staying on track to what you have or writing a plan or losing weight or just staying accountable, a lot of people feel that way, and a lot of people feel that way it's it's hard. it's difficult to do that. So the book's written knowing that it's it's difficult to do that because I'm experiencing it. I'm not writing from books and chapters and things I read and regurgitating other things from other people, though there's some great writers. And one of my mentors of why I even started doing speaking and writing is Zig Ziglar saying that you need to get everything in life you want if you can help enough other people get what they want. My life, I live that way, but I'm not regurgitating that specifics. What I am is saying how my life is, is affects me, how it affected so many other people around me to help them be better people, to have more, be more, and do more. So really, is it's based off of why I think someone would need it. It's because you can relate. When you can relate, then you can put things into action. Someone can look at something and say, you know what? I, I, I could do that too. Uh, or I, I feel that exact same way. There's multiple times people go to maybe their church or wherever they go and they, they hear the person, they go, he's talking to me today because it's relatable, because everybody has these things about themselves, because everybody has a fear fear of failure in some way, or a fear to talk to someone they don't know. Everybody gets a feeling, and I call it the winner's feeling, where your stomach starts churning and your hands start sweating and your voice starts <laughs> cracking because you're going to call someone or talk to someone you don't know, and you're saying, go to voicemail, go to voicemail, please go to voicemail. That's a relatable feeling. And unless you're doing it and had that feeling, such as I had for many years, you can't you can't teach somebody how to overcome that without knowing that it's a relatable a relatable feeling. So, Why I believe it is, to answer your question, Todd, is because it's for the people that know exactly the feelings I had and they're relatable. But that relatable story also comes with an action step of what maybe other people, successful people, achievers have done to push through that. That's
0: the key. Yeah. Well, when someone puts out a book with their methodology or their three-step plan, that worked for them. Perhaps, but yes. not, that doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone. But I, and I'm still intrigued by the idea of of how you could listen to a record, listen to an a, an LP that you've listened uh-huh. to the same way for years and years and years. But one day when you put it on on your player and you hit shuffle and it, the songs present differently, it's an entirely different album. It's an yeah. entirely different. And, yeah. and, and the metaphor there, I think that's the metaphor of shaking it up, right? I mean, because because we all yeah. have this very routine process by which we go through lives and and. And that's comforting to some extent. Now we 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 secretly quietly feel dissatisfaction in and we're not fulfilled, but we're not we aren't willing to hit shuffle and change things yeah. up. But here's the other yeah. po- here's the question I have for you: is if you walk through a public place and there's hundreds of people walking around, if if you were to mm-hmm. walk up to all of them and ask them, "Hey, shake it up." Most of them would would be very uncomfortable with that idea. Now I'm I'm thinking you know, I hate to go political here. But mm-hmm. what Donald Trump has done in this election is shake it up, and it, it's Absolutely. made an yeah. awful lot of people uncomfortable. And and whether you like him or don't like him, you, we all admit he's shaking this thing up, and we don't yeah. know, we don't know how to deal with it. And and yeah. so the, so the question to you is to to most people out there, and maybe this book isn't for most people out there, but but mm-hmm. most people, when you say, "Hey, shake it up and 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 mix things up and, and hit shuffle on your life." That, that gives most people hives. They don't know how to deal yeah. with that. That's freaky. So what do you say to that person who's like, well, I'm not happy, but for uh, Christ's sakes, yeah. that really scares me. How, how do you deal with that?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great, great question, Todd. And the reason why it's a great question because most people live their lives trying to get into the comfort zone. Like, I just don't want things to change. I want I, I finally got somewhere, and I don't want things to change. I want, I want to make sure I protect myself. And if you, I go to someone and say, shake it up, go, no, 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 no. I don't want to go outside my comfort zone because outside my comfort zone, there's things I don't know. And when I don't know, it's scary. So why people don't or what it is, it's all about a comfort zone situation where if I could try, I'm, I'm living my life trying to make sure things don't change. Well, I want to tell you, face it, things change. Okay, Things unfortunately change to you. You don't change them. And when I say change to you is that a lot of the biggest changes in most people's lives happen to them. Loss of family, loss of house, loss of spouse, loss of something that's horrible. I'm blessed that I get to coach you know, a, a gal who had breast cancer um, and she, we, we coached through it and she was working hard and she stopped. And when she went back and we were going back and coaching through her success of what she was trying to do, she had said something to me when I was kind of cooling things down saying, "We don't, well, let's not push this hard. She said, no, no, no. I want to explain something to you. I am who I am today because that happened. I'm closer to my family. I'm closer to God. I am who I am today because that happened to me. And most people avoid the change. That change happened to her. When you can actually shake things up and make different changes. But again, it's all about being in a comfort zone. And a lot of people like that comfort zone. And Like you said, this book's not for everybody because my whole goal of it is trying to find people to want to be outside. That comes There's so much life to experience. There's so many things that if I didn't do, I would have missed out on. I, there's so many things that I, when I don't want to go somewhere, I've got a, a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old and a 3-year-old. And my wife says, let's go to the beach. And I go, my God, the parking's going to be horrible. I just don't want to go. And I, I, don't, I don't know when the great's going to happen. Okay, the parking might be bad. I might get out. But something great could happen then. The same thing in sales and the same thing in your life. When you're asking people to shake it up, not all of them want to. Not all of them. And that's why there's achievers and average. And, and face it, I'm a really big believer that there's only one simple thing that separates the average from achievers, that, that the achievers willing to do things that the average isn't. That's just, that's just it. They're willing to take the risks and do the things. And not everybody's at that stage. But again, in this, I'm not asking people to completely make a three a 180, change everything in your life. I'm just saying, there's simple things that you can maybe do different. Simple words you can might use different. Simple outlooks that you can see. You can you can respond rather than react to certain circumstances in your life. But the biggest part is not letting life happen to you. Is going out and make life happen for you. That's the only part I want to shake up. Yeah. And as you were talking, as you were talking even about the music and just to give you kind of that, you know, I'm talking the the first chapters. I probably I'm gonna date myself probably a little bit on music, but you know, there's a there was probably heard on Shuffle five or six times the song by the Foo Fighters, Best of You, yeah, right? And yeah. it just hit me that certain that day, like, who is getting the best of me? Who is it my family? Is it my employees? Is it my dad? De- who is getting the best of me? And it just happened to hit me at that, that point in time where to figure out, do I even know what my best is? Do people out there know what their best is? or Are they trying to hold back to not give their best? Because if they put themselves out there, they might fail. That's, that's really what I'm looking for in this. You know, it's, and again, you said a big thing there. this isn't, this might not be for everybody, but it could be for the people that just want to make a small, small, small tweak to change some big things in their life.
0: Well, see, that's where I think most people don't realize is that even small tweaks can have big impacts. Going back to this idea of of change, I think, I think Uh you can group people into three categories in three buckets. One is those that that don't like change or refuse to accept (laughs) it. There are those that, that are good and understand mm-hmm. hey change is going to happen i'm going to accept it all right well mm-hmm. that's that's a better place to be in my opinion all right change is going mm-hmm. to happen whether you want it or not change will happen as yeah. you said change change to you i mean change you know you might get, yeah. you might get a disease or someone you know might die yeah. or or a company yeah. you work for might get acquired change will happen uh, yeah. now accepting that is, is Versus not accepting it is 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 a better place to be, but the Steve Jobs, the Elon Musks, all those kinds yeah. of people—they're not just waiting for change to happen to them and accepting no. it. They're no. forcing it, and I think still yeah. most people out there are, are are not willing or don't understand why forcing change, making change, yeah. is is I, I almost think it's the new normal, and and if you're not operating from yeah. that context, you're you're going to be average, right? Oh, for sure. Well, change change equals stress and uncertainty. This is the biggest part about it. Any any change, I don't care if it's a new job,
1: new school, new friend, a new new spouse, new girlfriend. It equals change equals stress and uncertainty. And with that uncertainty though is, I I, I believe that the only way things are going to get better is with change. The only way you're going to be better in your life is with some different change. So it equals stress and uncertainty, but it's going to be necessary for anybody that would want to grow. Now, as you said, there's people at one point that just, just don't like it, that try to avoid it, and some that are good with it, and other people that, that push the envelope to make it happen. There's somewhere in there in the, the don't like and the good that you can get it just to realize it's inevitable. Change is inevitable. I mean, as you just said politically, change is inevitable. I mean, we're in a, we're in a situation where change is going to happen, whatever it would be. One way or two, it's going to happen. We don't know what it's going to look like to everything, but it's inevitable. But either we can continue to blame, or we can, we can continue to, to resist it, or we can accept it. And once you get to the acceptance stage, when you go through that phase of wondering that you reject it, and you're angry about it, and then you try to find blame, and that's where a lot of people get stuck is the blame. I've got this change in my life, and let me tell you whose fault it is. Because if it's someone else's fault, it's not my fault. So. It's it's someone else's fault that I'm not this or this happened to me. And you get stuck in the blame. If we could all just get to figuring out the acceptance and just playing by whatever rules they would be. This is accepting. The change is inevitable. It's going to happen. It's just going to happen. Okay. Any aspect of your life, it's going to happen. Something is going to change because it always does. And as we hold tight to keep everything we have and nothing to change and live in our comfort zones, that, that could work for some people. It's just not how I out there's so much more to life. And there's so much more to being, and there's so much more to having that everybody can be a sort. And I'm not talking material stuff when I'm saying having. I'm just talking the feeling you have, as I said, that if I didn't go to the beach that day, I wouldn't have saw my daughter do something that she would, she did that said this is the best day ever. And I'm going to miss that day because I felt that I would. it was an inconvenience for me because parking is too bad at the beach. Those are the things you miss. Right,
0: right, and that right. And that's,
1: that's just a mindset. Right,
0: right. Well, this all is mindset, right? See, see my goal is yeah. – yeah change whatever it is in your business in your physical health and how you combat that in in, in relationships and all that stress, change does lead to stress and uncertainty and my whole mission yeah. in life is i want people to look at that as a positive and say this is this, yeah. is this is what makes life worth living this is what i'm going to think about on my deathbed and say wow i did it right i yeah. lived it up you know so all right yeah. all right dan and i will return after this short break we'll be right back
2: This episode is brought to you by the new international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpetler.com.
0: All right, I'm back with Dan Manginelli, author of a new book, Shake It Up, Big Dreams and Bold Choices on the Road to Success. All right, so Dan, we kind of set the table, the top half of the show, about change is a good thing. should be a good thing. You should look at it that way, and and the stress and uncertainty you feel should be a positive thing and exciting. So someone listening says, okay, I got it. Time for me to shake it up. Uh, How do I actually start this? I mean, I've heard you also say that, this kind of requires a defined purpose and measurable benchmarks. Not, yeah. measurable benchmarks. Doesn't seem to really fit with just shaking it up. Walk me through why that's how that works.
2: I <laughs> mean, that's a great thing.
1: Now, a defined purpose and a measurable benchmarks. When I when I do talk about that, you have to define what success is to you. There has to be a definition of success. What it means to you, your family, your life. You know, what is your purpose on why you would do what you're doing, and. When you have the benchmark of defining that, you have to, as I just said, you have to measure your performance along the way. Now, when we were kids, when I talk about measurable things and you want to say, like, well, wait, how does that work on the purpose? I, when you were, we were kids or we went to school, we went to college, you know, twice a year, four times a year, we got a report card, right? I mean, I got a report card. I don't know, some of them might not be that good, but I, I did get a report card, right? Right, right? And that report card, it graded you on your performance for that quarter semester or whatever it was. And it graded you on the success of math, English. Whatever it was that you took or your choices from there, there was a measurable grade on what you did. And now, as we become adults, we never grade ourselves anymore. We don't have a daily system or a quarterly system. Our grade now has become our bank account, a new car, or what the things that we might have, or savings, or what that, that's become our kind of benchmark or our grading. I think that if you grade yourself on, a daily, on the daily activities, now we all uh, again how do I get how do I want to be there where I have a defined purpose I've defined my purpose that I want to do this or I want to change how do I define if I'm actually going to do it well, that requires a plan I mean there's no there's no and, and detailed plan on what you're going to do and here's the crazy thing most of us I don't care if you're shopping or you're your your sales or you're an owner of a company you have a plan every day you have a task list that you want to do if it's on a, a blank sheet or a yellow pad or if it's in a Franklin planner or it's in your Outlook or if you're technology savvy and you have it where it pops up on, your, on an application. You have something that has tasks that you want to do for the day. I also think that when you're doing that, you should put a grade each time at the end of each day what you've done on there. there be a, there's got to be a measurable of what you did if, if what you want to accomplish and your defined purpose is there. You should put it A, B, C, D, or F. There's some days I might even look at my planner and say, you know what, I did nothing towards this today, or I did it and I did it so badly or I didn't put any effort into it because the purpose that I really wanted to do wasn't really strong enough to make me do it. So it's an F. But as you look at those, and if, if you have any kind of fire anywhere, you don't want to put an F next. You don't want to fail at anything. You don't want to put an F next to what you have. But an A or a B or maybe even a C to get by. But if you can grade yourself on a daily activities or weekly, however you feel you can measure, you can measure your accomplishments. And that's really what you want to do. If you want to get to something, it's not where you just if you're going to climb a mountain or or swim, however, it takes some time to get to that point. But there has to be small tasks to get there each and every step of the way. But I got to drill this down, Todd, that there's no way you're ever going to get yourself to doing A's to push yourself to do that if your purpose or your why isn't strong enough. For you to be uncomfortable to get to what you feel your success is if it's different than what you're doing on a daily basis, but your purpose or your why isn't pulling you to push yourself to do that, you're not going to do it. If if your purpose is if you wanted to use an easy one, it's going to be beginning of the year pretty soon or whatever the case might be, and, and diet and health is the biggest one. If you say you want to lose 20 pounds, this is the year I'm going to lose that 20 pounds. But if your purpose or your why of losing that 20 pounds and you don't see yourself as that person that's lost the 20 pounds, it's not not pulling enough for you to do it. If it's just for that reunion and you want to do a two-week diet, you're going to lose that weight. But that's not how you see yourself. So people gain the weight back or they stop going to the gym or they stop going to church or where they stop doing. A lot of people start and stop, right? And the reason why is because the purpose of the why that they really wanted to do it wasn't pulling enough for them to make the lifestyle change. Because most of the time it is when especially when you're talking about fitness and diet, it's a lifestyle change compared to what you've been doing over the years past
0: yeah yeah well and uh, it's critical to say that when you are doing this daily or weekly grading of yourselves that you have to be honest mm-hmm. with yourself you can't you can't, oh. you can't blow smoke up your own fanny and say alright well I, I get, I'll give myself a, a B for today Aaron.
1: that'd be perfect I don't know if we can build a company based off of that but if I could be good. I got an A I did nothing but man I look good today I wear a really nice suit so today today's an A if if I wrote down my task was to look good that'd be okay but I don't know if that's the case
0: right it's and when you're honest with yourself and you give yourself an F because I didn't really put in the effort today, well, then that then you need to be aware of that. And that self-awareness is, is so critical to this whole process as well. But here's the deal. Here's the other thing I want to ask about. You said at the top of the show that you built through adversity. I mean, we're going to have setbacks that aren't because of anything we did. It's just because that's the way life is and and the world will deal with some negative cards and we're going to have those yeah. setbacks. We're going to Yeah. we're going to have situations that are out of our control that are going to cause this problem and and what what, yeah. what the problem is most people are afraid of those kinds of things and so they never yeah. take any action. So how do you build through adversity? How do you deal with setbacks? Because they're going to happen. Because frankly, in my view, if you're out there executing on a life plan and you and you have no setbacks, well, then you have no your your plan's too too simple, too light, or, or there's no amb- there, there's no ambition there. And, and frankly, yeah. if you if you go through and towards a goal, whatever it is, and you have no setbacks, well, then I don't think you're doing it right. I think that's part of yeah. the measure of how this thing ought to be moving forward is that if you're not doing it right, Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and I hate to keep using those examples. Oh, no, they, those are great examples. They, they, have, they, changed, they, they changed the world. I mean in most cases. But so, they yeah. had but they had setbacks virtually every day. Oh, so how God, do you how do you do absolutely. that? How do you build through adversity? How do you get through those setbacks? You know, I... In talking around the country, and I'll speak, I'll speak to
1: multiple people, a lot, a lot of people in there, and I, I, I have to, every time I would go on a stage or I try to put a microphone, I have to believe myself. Everybody in this room wants to be more, have more, or do more. Everybody wants to be better, have different things, want to change things in your life. But it also goes when you talk about the setbacks, is the past always seems to haunt people's actions. Things that happened in the past will take the part of not wanting someone to do something to get to the next level because they'll think, ah, that, but that didn't work last time and I failed. And boy, it was embarrassing. So the past haunts people's actions. Now, as I kind of told about my kids, I'm blessed that I get to coach my kids in their sports. I have a 12-year-old son who plays football and baseball and a 10-year-old daughter who plays. Software and a three-year-old who plays—I guess it's soccer. It's like a pack of bumblebees running around. I don't know if you've ever seen that, Todd. When you watch a three-year-old, they're kind of running, 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 just little packs. Whatever no, it is. But that's I don't know, that's pretty, coaching there. But
0: that's pretty much how I play soccer.
1: So. <laughs> I get, to, as I said, I bless it. and I get to a sit down or in the middle of everything that happens, and I teach them this. There's only one way to get better at what you're doing. There's only one way. And that's by doing it. So in other words, only one way to get better at playing baseball or softball is by playing softball. And I want everybody here to know today on this team, you're going to miss balls. You're going to strike out. You're going to drop them. And it's going to seem like it's the worst thing in the world and all eyes on you. But the only way to get great at doing something is by doing it. And then realizing if you're not doing it right, how to get better at it. So you're grading yourself the same way, you have a choice. That choice is if it's an F and you don't really care that it's something that important, your choice is to get better or just don't do it. And it's the same thing as I'm relating to to kids' sports is when you tell them they're going to have those setbacks and that these are going to happen, but the only way that you're going to get better, if you want to, is for these mishaps to happen. And we're going to work on it and we're going to fix it. And it might take 30 or 40 times but after that time and we work on it, small tweak, small tweak, small tweaks, you're going to get better. The same in business and the same in life, especially in sales. Most everybody quits when it gets difficult. I get excited. I tell people I like, coach, you know what, this is when you get excited, when it really gets hard. When it really gets difficult is when you should get excited. And oh, people look at me like I'm crazy, but that's when everybody else quits. That's when everybody else, when it is hard and when it is really difficult and when you're not feeling like doing it, that's when everybody else quits and your competition goes down by 80, maybe 90%. People can push themselves past the difficult. The chance for success is remarkable. But the truth about, again, as you said, the setbacks, if you realize that each one of those, every time you drop a ball or every time you miss a sale or every time you didn't, the first time I spoke in front of a crowd, I didn't know that one of the biggest fears in life was public speaking. But I known that I might not have done it, right. but I was not good at it, man. I, 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 I blew. It was, it was probably, uh, if I could, I'm feeling the feeling I had, if I can close my eyes that first time I talked in front of it was 200 people and I had 15 minutes and it might took me three minutes. You could tell I talked fast anyway. So in that case, I realized that I had two choices, either get better or just stop doing it. But that setback put me in a position where I, I want to do this and I need to get better at it. And I need to get better at it. And the second time wasn't that great either. The Third time, fourth time, fifth time. It took a while, just like me hitting ground balls to little girls playing softball. After two times, I can't say, okay, girls, we're done. We don't need to practice ever again. We're going to catch every ball, and we're going to win the championship. No. It's ground ball after ground ball after ground ball. Tweak of moving your feet, moving your feet, putting your glove in. It's over and over, just like in life. Those setbacks are going to happen. It's what you, this small tweak you take, again, to make the change keep repetitiveness of doing it and doing it right.
0: Well, this whole conversation reminds me of a story I read about Chris Evert, the champion tennis player, uh-huh. and she made the comment once she said, "Look, when I won Wimbledon the first time, it was a I was happy. It was a big victory for me. Yeah. But I realized 2 hours later that the joy was gone. And what I really began to treasure was the work that I did, the process I went yeah. through to get there." And and, and yeah. the, the key part of what you just said is is that process of setbacks and and, and de- small defeats and, and the lessons learned from that and the adjustments you made and the further practice, that's ultimately what she treasured more than the trophy itself. And, yeah. and, and I think that's important to note that ultimately when you when you go through this and you have a success, you're gonna but you're, the success itself, the plaque you get the mention on the yeah. wall, the mentioned in the news in a news magazine, yeah, that's nice. But you're gonna, you're really gonna treasure what you're really gonna think about is the work that you did to get there, and and yeah. and so that's what makes me think about Chris Everett. And but on that note, so Chris Everett was a champion. She won Wimbledon. Yeah, but she yeah. She, she kept fighting, and and she immediately went to work on the next goal. So so yeah, Dan. Once you once you achieve a goal or or, or hit that success. Unfortunately, too many people they they rest on their laurels and they live on that one success yeah. and they try to coast through life yeah. and that and they end up being miserable. How do you? What do you go from there once you have met a goal or achieved an initial success? What, what do you do next? How do you? How do you move forward and continue to to shake things up?
1: The fabulous question. The reason why is because people are going to set goals, small or big, and they're going to reach them. The next question: What is the next conquest? Is there one or is there not one? And my first book, Wake Up, I wrote about uh, the keys to success. And the keys to success in my, in my mind of, of talking and being around people were communication, consistency, desire, but the biggest one was keeping the desire. And what I mean by that is I think everybody has a desire, but the real test is how do you keep the desire? And I'll go back to you know, the easy ones, losing weight or, or just fitness in, in some cases. But you know when, you, when your desire is to you set a goal and that's your goal and you stay on track and you get there, And you're at that point, what is it that makes you want to do anything different of of staying fit? Why, Why would you want to in business or in life or in athletics? You hit that high. What is the next part for your high? And keeping the desire is a big one. Like, what is it going to be? You reach a success. And when you get there, a lot of people don't believe that they should stay there. A lot of people like, I'm here, but wait a second. Do I deserve to be here? Should I make this much money? Should I? Should I be leading these people? Should I? Should I be the one? And when you start doubting, you don't ever really see yourself as that person, as I talked about earlier about when I said losing weight, you didn't see yourself as that person. No, well, keeping the desire is having the goal after the goal. Like, what is the next step? I mean, if the one thing is you lose, let's say you lose weight again, you lose the weight. Okay, there's got to be a new goal. Cause maybe I want to get my body fat down. Maybe I want to do a competition. If it's if it's work or it's sales or if it's life in general, I reach this. Okay, I need to use that as a platform to have something else. Because if you don't, it's going to be very difficult to stay at that. You're only going to go back because you're not going to believe that you can accomplish the next goal.
0: But there are people who say, and I don't necessarily subscribe to, to this philosophy, but they say you should never mm-hmm. meet your big life goal because if you meet it, then maybe it wasn't bold enough or it wasn't ambitious enough. And and I, I get that thinking, but, but I do think – you have to have attainable goals. And, and I think part of the strength of this is realizing that you do have within, within you to achieve that. But the key is to have the next plateau in mind. and you know, Yeah. And so, I mean, I think that's 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 important to understand too, right?
1: For sure. And you and you used two great examples, right? I mean, Steve Jobs and, and, and Elon Musk, you used two great examples that they at one point reached a goal of exactly what they were trying to get to. But as they were reaching that goal and they realized it was in there, they were already off to the next. They were seeing the change before it happened. All right. They, they were when they, they the, the true leaders and the true successful people are seeing the change before it happens they've already worked through the goal that they have they've already accomplished it before everybody even knows they've accomplished it because the work they put in to get there they're already working on the next goal they're already seeing what the next stage is seeing the change before it happens and they' just like you said you have to have goals and you know you don't keep you you want to make them you know reach, not so reachable where they're easy but they have to what when do a goal workshop or something, I say everything, the exact same thing every time, is you should get excited and a little bit scared every time you write a goal. It should make you excited and anxious at the same time, excited to think that you can reach it, but then anxious and how am I going to get there? Am I able to push myself to get there? So with those two feelings, they should go side side, thinking, okay, well, I'm excited, but I'm also, what is it going to take to get there? If it's something that's just so easily obtained, I don't know if it was something that you really, really wanted to push yourself to do and. I, I, again, I don't know if everybody in this world or everybody, every American can push themselves to different levels if they don't feel it. And, and you put yourself, what I hear a lot of people say, I not feeling it today. Well, how do you, how do you keep going when, when you don't feel it? Well, that's, that's a desire. That's the keeping the desire part. Your desire has to be so pulling and your why has to be so pulling that you're doing things when you don't feel it. When you're going to the gym, when it's too cold in the morning or it's at night and you're tired, if that would be the case that desire has to pull you past that. And it really comes down to the desire portion of what you really, 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 really want. And then obtaining it is, is—it's if it was easy, everybody would be doing it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. well, and, you, and the anxiety yeah. that you feel when you set an audacious goal, you yeah. ought to recognize that as a, as a good thing. That Boy, if you're not feeling oh, yeah. that, I mean, that, that shouldn't be something you fear. It shouldn't be something that you dread and say, oh, no. oh, oh no. I don't want to feel anxiety. <laughs> that, that, yeah. that, that if, if you're not feeling anxiety, well, then you're not pushing hard enough you're, no. not, you're not setting no. up the bar high enough you know and, and yeah. to close with Elon Musk I mean I, I don't know how I'm talking to the audience here how familiar you are with Elon Musk but his plan is to retire and die on Mars he wants to mm-hmm. he wants to retire on Mars I guarantee you I bet you he achieves that <laughs> and, yes, and, that, and I for granted, it? I mean,
1: when well, you think about the, that. you're like, what is he talking about? But then again, who thought you'd have cars that could be run not off gasoline? You
0: know, well, the point the is, my, 60, you know? in my point with with what this whole conversation has been about is that when he's sitting in his little abode on Mars, he's going to be thinking about the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> he, exactly. He, he ain't staying there. <laughs> All right. He's going to be
1: thinking how far, how far Saturn is. How far can I get to Saturn, is it close enough for me to get there? I don't know if it is or not. <laughs>
0: Well, you know darn well that's what that kind of a, of a personality—that's what he or she is is thinking. So, yeah. that, and that's the whole point of this whole shake it up idea. So, Dan, Absolutely. gosh, you and I could talk for hours on this stuff. Clearly, we uh, we're out of time for today, unfortunately. Before I let you go, should anyone need to contact you with any questions, or more importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of Shake It Up? How do they do that? Sure.
1: Two ways. On. Let's uh, shake it up. You can get a copy on Amazon. It's Amazon Prime. So you can go to Amazon. And you can put shake it up and probably my last name because there's a few things on shake it up. Manginelli, M-A-N-G-I-N-E-L-L-I. Or you can go to my website, Manginelli Group, M-A-N-G-I-N-E-L-L-I-G-R-O-U-P.com. And there's videos on there. There's some free stuff. I do a weekly message. That's all on there. Um, and you can go there and see where I'm speaking next. And both ways you can get the book there as well as some audio as well.
0: All right. Daniel Manginelli, the EVP of South Pacific Financial and the author of many books, including the new one, Shake It Up, Big Dreams and Bold Choices on the Road to Success. Dan, a real pleasure to have you. Thanks for stopping by. God, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. The pleasure was mine. All right. All the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Daniel Manginelli, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Radio. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to intrepidmailinglist.com. That's intrepidmailinglist.com and sign up. You can also find us at intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now, get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.